anyhow, we're grateful for God's blessing on our life and for this Easter Sunday. It's a great day. It's always a great day whenever we, whenever we recognize Christ. Now, some people wonder, why is it that Christians celebrate uh, Sunday, the first day of the week, and the, the Jewish um, were always on the Sabbath day, which was Saturday? Well, it was a distinction in the early church that um, Saturday was the Sabbath day in which they went to the synagogue, and Sunday was the day that Christians got together and celebrated Christ and his resurrection. So Sunday then has become the day that most Christian denominations celebrate as the, the day that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. So every Sunday we celebrate resurrection. But today is a special day, and the title of the message today is We Believe in the Life, Death, Burial, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, some might say, well, that's pretty much a mouthful. Well, it is. Because there are those in the Christian faith who sometimes eliminate portions of that reality or that truth. So why is there a need? Where did it all come from, this idea of Easter? This understanding of Christ coming and dying on the cross and his blood being shed. How does it all get started? Well, in a half hour, we are going to go from Genesis to Revelation. Oh... Uh, while I was doing this, my wife said, are you still writing? <laughs> you know, she says, are we going to be there a long time? I says, no, there's a 30-minute calculator in the back, calendar timer in the back, and I will come as close to that as at least a half hour. So, <laughs> but anyhow, where does it all begin? Well, in Genesis, let's start there. It's a good place to begin, the beginning. Well, what happens is God created the heavens and the earth, okay, we'll fast forward, and in the garden where he put Adam and Eve, that he put a tree, which is called the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God says, don't eat of that tree. So God gave them a perfect environment. God walked with them in the cool of the day, friend with friend, and he gave them one command, don't eat of the tree. Why? Because he owns this place. You're the caretaker, Adam and Eve, you're the caretaker, but I own this place. So, and it's kind of, the parallel to that is Christ is the one who owns this temple. Okay? Our bodies. And he owns it. We're the caretaker of our life. We are the caretakers of our life and what we do, where we go, what we say, what we listen to, and all those things. So the parallels always stays there. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, the second part, verse part B, <coughs> she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and their eyes of them both were opened this becomes the original sin breaking of God's command and they heard a voice the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden verse 8 in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve and Adam and his wife did hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden well, they broke God's command, and notice God shows up the same way he always has. Even though they have broken his command, God is there. Well, what happens is Satan promised them they will be like God. Well, their understanding of that was different than what they got. And that's what happens with sin. We, the understanding of what we think sin is 
you know, pleasure in sin for a season. There are things about breaking God's commands that are alluring. But whenever we end up with those things, it is not what it appeared to be. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. They broke the command, and now they find themselves hiding from God. Well, God pronounces a, and, and from that time, God establishes a way to bring them back to the right relationship. Verse 19, 15, excuse me. And I will cause hostility or, or enmity between you and the woman, between Satan and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So when Adam and Eve broke the commandment, God's one commandment, they found themselves separated from God. And the challenge is that God never wants us to be separated from him. So God always provides, tries to bring us back to that right relationship. Now, the term, the term Eve, her seed, that is her offspring, her offspring would crush the head of Satan. And who's the offspring? That is the promise of the Messiah of Christ. So right there in the garden of Eden, before they are expelled, God gives them a promise that from her descendants will come a Savior, and, is, and he will be Christ. He will be God. Now, before, so, you know, some people say, well, how did all this happen? Well, before the beginning began, I always do the, there's eternity past, and then there's creation. In, crea in, in eternity past, God knew what ha would happen to Adam and Eve and to mankind. So Jesus in eternity past, decides to be the sacrifice for the sins of people. And so God decided to die for the sins of the people. And from the very beginning, God knew what was going to happen. But he allowed people to make the choice. He allowed Adam and Eve to make their choice. So he, Christ, shall bruise thy head. <laughs> I like the idea. He crushed it. You know, if you want you know, if you want to get rid of a snake, just crush its head, <laughs> and uh, you, you're all done. Just don't make sure make sure it doesn't bite you, right? <laughs> I don't like snakes. <laughs> and it says that he shall bruise thy heel. Well, in in what that refers to is that when Christ suffers, it's like Christ, the, Satan is bruising Christ's heel in the sense that he suffers on the cross and he dies. Now. That suffering in no way is in comparison to the crushing that Jesus does to Satan in the sense that he breaks the power of sin. He breaks the power of evil. Okay, got that in place, got the promise in place. Let's fast forward a few years, <laughs> and we have the children of Israel in Egypt. That's a quick hundred, couple hundred years, okay? We have the children of, of Israel in Egypt. And what we have here is what is called the Passover. And it is the biblical story in Exodus where the children of Israel have been in Egypt for 400 years. Now, we haven't been a nation for 400 years. So it's, you know, 400 years is a long time. And so they've been in Egypt 400 years. The Egyptians have enslaved the children of Israel. And Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
whose later name, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel, and the, his sons, they are the, the different nations that are in Israel. So they come to Egypt because Joseph is the, um, the ruler at that time or second in command. So they get to Egypt. And the challenge is that how do you make a nation without people coming and destroying it? Well, you make them slaves. <laughs> they're not destroyed. They're just overcome. They're ruled by someone else. So the children of Israel were slaves of the Egyptians. And Egypt is recognized, as we look back at it, as the bondage of sin. That we in our life can be, be bound by sin, sins of the present, sins of the past, the original sin. And then how can we be free from that bondage? Well, the same bondage that is depicted for the children of Israel is the same bondage, the same breaking of that bondage as we see in Passover. And what is Passover? Well, verse 12 of Exodus uh, says, While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on earth, the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. So what happens is there's a lamb brought for each household, and they have a purpose for that lamb. This lamb, this choosing of the lamb and bringing it into their house is Palm Sunday the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Uh, verse 6. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. So the animal, you know, <coughs> sometimes we think, well, they just, that was cruel, they get this lamb and bring it into their house and kill it. No, they bring the lamb into their house and it lives with them from Sunday to Thursday. Now, I don't know if, you know, people have cats and dogs and animals and things. Well, this would be like a pet <laughs> that the, the household would have in their house to make sure it's without spot, nothing wrong with it. It's uh, a year old, you know, it's, it's, you know. I don't know if you've ever been around sheep, but lambs are quite cute and become cuddly till they get older, whatever. But anyhow, <laughs> so this lamb is brought into the house, and they are to take care of it. Until the third Thursday, or until Thursday of that week, and Thursday of that week is what we call uh, Monday Thursday, in which Jesus does the uh, Last Supper, in which Jesus meets with his disciples, take this bread, eat this cup. That's the Thursday of this, where they are to take this animal and they are to keep it and to be a part of their house. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight in the evening. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the house where they, where they eat the animal. So the blood of that lamb is now taken and applied to the doorposts of their homes. Verse 12. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against the gods of the Egyptians. 
for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, making the house where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, if we know the story of Egypt, and we know the story, Moses has brought nine plagues to the children of Israel. And what it, what it ends up as, Pharaoh thinks he's a god, and he sees the greatness of his kingdom, and he, and he hears about Moses, and Moses talking about his god being greater. And Pharaoh sees that it's a challenge of the gods. <laughs> and so he's not going to let the children of Israel go. So God tells Moses, this is the last plague. This is what's going to happen. The angel of death will come upon the Egyptians. And where the blood is, the angel of death will pass over. Hence, Passover, which the children of Israel, the people of Israel, still celebrate. It is a holy feast and ordinance that is kept even today both as a remembrance of Israel's preservation and deliverance from Egypt, still part of their history, like our 4th of July. And it is a remarkable type of Christ. So Israel's safety and deliverance were not a reward for their righteousness or of their heritage. It was a gift of God's mercy to deliver them from the bondage of the Egyptians. So out of this, that all blessings came, they will learn that all blessings that come to them come through the provision of the promises that God has made through the sacrifice of that lamb. And just that, and obeying Moses' instruction and placing the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes, they would be saved from the angel of death. How does that become part of who we are today? The Passover lamb represents Jesus Christ. He is our Passover. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Christ is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So just as sin brings death, and in the Egyptians, the blood of the lamb on their house, death passed over, so too Jesus Christ is our Passover. When his blood is upon our hearts, when we confess our sins, he forgives us, the blood of Jesus Christ washes us from all sin. Death has no more claim. No more claim. Now, our body ceases to exist, you know, dies, goes in the grave, but everything that is life in us belongs to God. We are his, not only for now, but for eternity. So the lamb that was there was a lamb that was without blemish, while the Lord Jesus was a spotless lamb in the sense that he is without sin. He knew no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The sprinkling of the blood. The blood of the lamb in Exodus was applied to the sides of the doors and to the top, which is the entrance to their homes. The lamb being slain is a picture of Christ and his death on the cross. The blood on the doorpost and the sides it distinguishes their homes from the Egyptians and also sets them aside as being different from the Egyptians. Christ in our life sets us aside as being different. We are different. We are unique. We are God's children. 
And because of our relationship with Christ and the angel of death, death has no hold over us. The sting of death is fear. And we have no fear because the perfect love of Christ casts out all fear. So this is the celebration of Passover. And it's part of the, the nation of Israel. It's part of their celebration. It continues today. So we fast forward from Egypt to the crucifixion. Last Sunday, Palm Sunday. Everybody brought their palms to church. <laughs> Glenda made, took some of the palms that we have left over, and they're downstairs. She made crosses out of them. And they need to be up. We'll bring them up. We'll send the kids down or somebody down and pick them up. And we'll put them in the back, and there's only a few of them. And, uh, oh, Rhonda has special treats for the kids. You know. We don't have bunnies. There's <laughs> nothing wrong. We got people with ears, but that's okay. You know, yeah. That's all right. You know, Easter's lots of things, but the important thing is it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we fast forward to the time of Christ. According to the Julian calendar, and I said this as we entered, these dates are of April 2nd and uh, the dates of April 6th, Thursday. These are the dates that would have taken place even in the time of Christ, the time of Moses. <laughs> These are the same days. Whenever Jesus, on Thursday, Monday, Thursday, taking of communion, he says to the disciples, do this in remembrance of me. Eat this bread and drink this cup. That Thursday, we have the garden where Jesus is praying and he sweats great drops of blood. That's the agony of his humanity and his divinity. You know, he knows what's coming, but yet he is willing to stay as he is. Father, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will be done. Thy will be done. And so we find that this is the, the agony, the, the turmoil of what's going on inside of him. Friday, April 7th, the crucifixion. Jesus is co condemned. He's beaten and he's flogged. <laughs> he's beaten with what is known as the caddy nine tails, which is a whip that has nine pieces of leather on it, and at the end of each piece of the leather is a piece of bone or metal that is just rips the body apart. According to the Shroud of Turin. On this shroud, if it is the body, and I'm saying it's not, and I'm not saying it is, but it has a lot of evidence. On this shroud, there were 372 marks, 372 slashes on the body of the person that was laid in that linen. There were 231 slashes on the back of it, and there were 159 slashes on the front. The body of the person who was in that shroud was ripped to pieces. That's what his body was. So during Passover, the lambs would be brought into the priest, into the, high, into the temple. They would be brought there for slaughter. And according to one historian, over 256,000 lambs were killed on that day, between 9 a.m. and 3. 
256,000. It was a slaughterhouse. What they did is they sliced the neck of the lamb, caught the blood, gave it to somebody, they, and you know, they had a, a kind of a line going on, and they would take the blood, throw it at the altar, and it's like the forgiveness of their sins, the covering for their sins. The unique thing is, when they came, approached 3 o'clock in the afternoon, stop the procession of the slaughter. A high priest would take a lamb for his own sins and slaughter it, and the blood of that lamb would be taken to the altar and thrown. And what do you think that priest would say? It is finished. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus died, and he, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head. The sacrificial system was now complete. What was begun in the garden to take away sin was fulfilled in Egypt for the, the lamb being sacrificed in Passover. Jesus comes as the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And he dies in the same manner and way that they would take the sacrificial system and kill the lambs. And their blood was applied as a covering for their sins. Then what happened? Well, remember the words of Jesus on the cross? He says to the one thief, Today you will be with me in paradise. In the Old Testament, there is a place for the abode of the dead, and it is called Sheol. And Sheol is a place that is this, it's a huge place, and if you can think of it as an oblong place. And on one side is hell, and there's a great gap in the middle, and on the other side is Abraham's bosom, paradise. And Jesus, where does he go? He goes to hell, not paradise. He goes to hell because he goes there to pay the penalty for sin. And he stays there for three days for the time of the resurrection. You see, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. As the scripture says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. When he ascended from hell, he took the captive of Abraham's bosom, those who died under the covering of the sin of, of the blood of the Old Testament sacrifices, those who believed in God, those the prophets and the Old Testament saints, those who believed and were covered by the blood of those sacrificial lambs, they were in paradise. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ is so effective, it went backward in time to all those who believed and forgave them, washed away their sin. It goes forward in time to us, to all who would believe, and they would their sins would be removed. So he who ascended goes on to say, he must also have first descended. So when Jesus died on the cross, his body went to the tomb. But everything that was life in him didn't die. It went to hell. It went there. <laughs> For you see, hell sin held a grip upon the human race, mankind. 
from Adam's time period, from Adam's original sin. But Jesus has come to take away that sin. He has come to remove it. And so we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 27, for you will not abandon my soul in hell. The scripture says that Jesus is, you know, he's in hell and he will not be abandoned there. Nor will you allow my Holy One to undergo decay. His body's not going to decay. Whenever we believe in the scriptures, we allow the scriptures to fulfill the scriptures. And when Jesus and his body ceased to function, his body went to the tomb and was wrapped in this linen. Wrapped, I think, of being wrapped around. But in those days, it was a long linen cloth like the shroud, and the body was laid on the shroud, on that linen, and the shroud, the linen was taken over, laid over top of it like a blanket. Jesus went to hell to pay the penalty for all sin, our sin. Jesus bore the sin, the tortures of the soul, the condemnation and the ruin, to suffer the pain of death, of darkness, and of separation from the Father. That was the agony of the garden, separation from God the Father. He became sin. See, that's the second death. We don't need to worry about dying. It's the second death. The second death is eternal separation from God. Those who believe in Christ never have that death. So why was there three days? Why did he need to be there? As Jonah was three days in the, the belly of the great fish, so, so the Son of Man will be three days. Why three days? Well, according to Jewish tradition, a person's soul, his spirit, remained with the body for three days, and after three days they departed. So it would be to the Jewish understanding he was officially dead. He was officially dead after three days. Matthew 12, 39. A wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus said this. <laughs> so on the third day, when the third day had ended, that's the power of the resurrection, the power of life, that power of life that was always present with Jesus. It was there that Christ, that, the, the, that was like, he took back, again, all of those things which he had set aside. And that he rose from the dead because death cannot conquer life. Remember, to God there are no dead. <laughs> they are away from us, but their soul is alive. They are alive forevermore. Life cannot be extinguished like you would blow out a candle. Bodies may cease to function, but life is eternal. Our life is eternal, and for believers, we have an eternal life with God. So Jesus waited in hell for the appointed time. The devil and all those demons, they were rejoicing. They had conquered. They had, they had thwarted the will of God and the purpose of God. They had killed the Messiah. They had killed the King of Kings. Huh. Yeah. 
Well, when the third day came, hell shook. There was an earthquake. There was darkness. was blown away by the light that was alive in that, in that uh, chambers of hell. Because, you see, life is greater than death. And the life of Christ is greater than all the sin of the world. Revelation 1.18. Jesus tells the Apostle John this. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I am he who was dead and am now alive forevermore. For timeless, age upon age. I, this is Jesus saying this, I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. When Jesus went to hell, he took back from Satan everything that Adam had surrendered in his fall. Jesus took that back. He is the living word. He became flesh, the manger, the celebration of Christmas when Christ came. He is the Lamb of God who would sacrifice on the altar, the cross, his death, he made a way for sin to be forgiven. By his stripes, we are healed. He died. He was placed in the grave for three days, and on the third day, he rose again. You see, these are the foundations of our faith. These are the fund fundamental beliefs of who we are and what we have in place. He took back what Adam and Eve had surrendered. They thought they were getting something, and they got nothing they lost that relationship but the jesus walking or god coming to adam and eve in the cool of the day god wanted to reestablish that friendship with each one of us he wants to walk with you and i in the cool of the day and be our friend as a friend walks with friend jesus walks with us that's the purpose of the cross. That's the purpose of his shed blood. That's the purpose of his going to hell and taking back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's the purpose of his death so that we could have life and have it forevermore. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, on that morning, I, I like this in John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. And while it was still dark and saw that the stone already removed from the tomb, she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said. So all of that that we just went through with the hell and, and, and Jesus rising from hell and going over to paradise and picking up all those saints of the Old Testament, taking them to heaven. And now this happens. This is where his body comes back to life. Because without the resurrection, Jesus has failed. But with the resurrection, he has won. Simon Peter, the other disciples whom Jesus loved, meaning John, they both ran to the, to the tomb. The two were running together. When they got to the tomb, it says that the linen wrappings were there but folded. One of the wrappings that covered his face was folded. In the Jewish tradition, when a person finished the meal and left, he folded his napkin and put it at his table, at his seat. 
telling the servants, I'm not coming back. (laughs) I'm not coming back. You can clean my plate. And we find that as the disciples went into the tomb, went into that tomb, verse 8, I believe it is. So the other disciples whom had first come to the tomb also entered, and he saw and he believed. What did he see? And I, I don't know for sure if it was the shroud that we can look at, but if you can imagine the body of Jesus taken from the cross with the crown of thorns removed and the beating and the slashing of his body, and you can take all that and put it on a piece of linen and cover it up, they walk in there, and what do they see? They see their Savior. They see his face on this linen. They see his body stretched out on the linen, but he's not there. (laughs) He's not there. They believed. And that reality is what shook the Christian faith, what started the church, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They believed because of what they saw. And we too can believe their testimony because there was over 500 people that saw him alive, not only the disciples. And we have in verse 19, the angel, when Mary gets to the tomb, she looks in and she sees two angels sitting on either side. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't know that it's Jesus. She thinks it's the gardener. The two angels said to them, Woman, why are you weeping? Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have put them. When she saw this, she turned around. She saw Jesus. In verse 19, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? (laughs) Whom are you seeking? Thinking he is the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have called him, carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will take him. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, (laughs) Mary. She looked up and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, my teacher. And she clung to him. He was a physical being. He is a person a bodily resurrected Jesus. Because he lives, we shall live also. We shall grab hold of him. (laughs) He will hold us and we will hold him. He is a living Savior. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. (laughs) That will be us someday. (laughs) We will see him face to face. And the reality of the resurrection... We have his word for it. We have his presence in our hearts and our lives. We have the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate every moment of every day because he has come to walk with us and be our friend. Forgive us of our past. The song says, what I've done in the past doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter why I'm forgiven. I've got a new life in Christ. We confess our sins. His spirit abides within us and lives within us. We are his forevermore. Amen? Whether we live or die, we belong to God. So let's celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because we are alive with him forevermore. Amen?
Amen. Because he lives, I shall live also. Amen. Let's say that. Because he lives, I shall live also. One more time. Because he lives, I shall live also. Amen.